Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mid Major Madness Podcast. My name is Russ Steinberg. We have a, a special edition for you today. The Commissioner of Conference USA, Judy McLeod, is joining us. She is here to talk about all things Conference USA, specifically bonus play, that format, how it works, why it's helpful for them, and the unique format to the Conference USA tournament. It was a fun discussion, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much. Um, I had wanted to um, start just, you know, kind of in, in general. I know FBS leagues are heavily driven by football, and, and with good reason. It, it's understandable why. But I think what Conference USA has done, particularly uh, in the last few years, is demonstrate a real commitment to men's and women's basketball. And, and we'll get into in, in a minute, exactly how you've done that, but just generally, what what do those sports mean to your league? I mean, I I think for us, um, you know, there is although we have different schools in our league, we do have a great history um, of basketball and have schools that that have been, you know, have that tradition of winning and and um, have fan bases that really appreciate good basketball, and so. Um, you know, it, as we have many challenges, um, I have to give our schools a lot of credit from the presidents, chancellors, on through the ADs and coaches. They've really made a commitment to improve in basketball. And I, I think, you know, obviously football is a driver for many things, but basketball with the number of players you have, you know, it's 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 easier to change a culture in basketball and improve in a shorter amount of time sometimes than it takes in football. And so um, especially teams that had been at the bottom of our league have really made a commitment to improve, and, and it's helped us a lot overall. Yeah, and, and one thing that you've done at the conference level that, that I think is pretty unique to Conference USA is you introduced this concept of bonus play at the end of the regular season. And – Maybe for someone who's listening who doesn't know what that is, basically you play the first 14 games of schedule as normal, and then based on the standings to that point, your final four games are determined, you know, based on teams near you at the standings, and it's meant to give teams at or near the top more chances to play competitive games, maybe improve their shot for a postseason bid or improve their seeding when they get there. For those not familiar with this process how how did that come about you know we had worked with uh, mark adams who's a consultant and also um, a play-by-play announcer and looked at all of the data and it becomes you know i think it's it's a conversation you know nationwide how difficult scheduling is especially for conferences like us um, we're not getting, you know, in the non-conference, it's really hard to get home games against quality opponents. And normally when we play against an um, A5 opponent, it's on the road or it's in an exempt tournament. And so um, you look at some leagues, like if you looked at the Big Ten this year, the the amount of quad one and quad two games they can get in just league play is crazy and for us until everybody gets better and we get more teams that are 
you know, Qualen games or Quad 2 games. Uh, we're not getting those games in our conference schedule, not enough of them. And so so hard to get them in the conference, you know. So it's like, where are we going to get them? And so that was the purpose, you know, at the end of the season, our teams that are in contention for postseason play to provide them some some more quad one, quad two games in their schedule. You know, obviously the right teams have to win and all those things go with it, but um, hopefully the purpose was to help with seeding and, and help getting in more teams in the tournament, whether that's obviously the NCAA, but also the NIT. Right. And, you know, you, you mentioned Mark Mark Adams, who's uh, kind of the, the architect of this. What, what was your role in making this happen, and what was your initial reaction to it? Cause it's very unconventional. I'm sure it presents logistical challenges, not knowing who's playing who until very shortly before. Yeah, it is, and you know, that's something our ADs will again evaluate at the end of the year if the positives, you know, outweigh the challenges really for us. Um, I think I'd served on the men's basketball selection committee. And so having that knowledge of, you know, how else we're going to get those games that we desperately need for our teams, you know, doing the same thing over and over again is we can't expect that to give us different results. And so, you know, Mark came in at a time that our people were really open to trying something. Um, The logistics, because our conference is very spread out, is really the hardest part. And so we've done adjustments where that first game you play is going to be against, you know, the closest person in your, um, geographically, in your group of five or group of four. So... Um, we've tried to make some adjustments to it. It's not the exact model that Mark initially pitched to us, but um, I, I just credit our membership really for being open and, and trying, you know, and being willing to try some things. I think probably the coaches um, struggle probably the most, just, you know, quite frankly, they don't know who they're going to play and um, and those type of things. But uh, our administrators in our our fan, you know, it's it's generated a lot of excitement in the top group. The second group's probably been our biggest challenge. People might think it'd be our third group, but our third group is four teams, and two of them are going to make our tournament. And so they're playing each other, and so they feel like they have a real shot to make the tournament. You know, it's not like their last two games are against number one and number two, and you know they don't have a shot. So it's been interesting. There have been different wrinkles along the way that, you know, you kind of just have to go through it to find out. But, um, but I really have to credit the membership for trying something. Yeah. That that actually leads into what I was going to ask you next, because, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work with, uh, with the Big East with researching its history. And one thing that I found very often when I would ask someone who was with that league at the beginning is that the coaches were not, always very open to trying new things or to changing way that they went about making their schedules or anything like that. Did, did you get a lot of pushback from uh, coaches in the league and they maybe warmed up to it a little bit since then? I mean, we got some, but really I think they, you know, they want to improve their chances as well. And so um, I think everybody thought, you know, it's worth a try. You know, we had a couple that are like, this is crazy. What are we doing? Kind of thing. Um, but I think when you sit and explain it, you know, after year one, 
Um, we had some that wanted to make some tweaks, you know, because if you're in that top group, that top five, I mean, your last four games are are tough. And um, four out of the five are going to get a bye, you know, and should we make them play that, you know, should we give them one game out of a different pod? Those kind of things that were a lot of the coach discussions. But I think the whole key to it is if you finished in that first group, one through five, you can only be seeded one through five in the tournament. So, you know, that prevented somebody that was ranked sixth, you know, and wins all four of their games in their pod of jumping into that group because they've played teams that um, are not as highly ranked. So we had to make sure there were some of those guarantees in. Um, but, but again, you know, it's still it's only the second year, and um, I'm sure we'll have <laughs> many discussions and and evaluate it and see if it's something we want to continue. Yeah, and I, I guess with something like this, the only way you're really going to uh, see what maybe needs to be tweaked is by actually trying it. And now that you've done it, I guess you did it last year, and now you're into bonus play this year. Is there anything that you're looking to change going forward, or have you even thought about that yet? Yeah, I mean, you know, quite frankly, it's really built for um, – the middle Tennessee team of a few years ago that everybody thought should have gotten into the tournament, you know, and they just didn't have that many quality wins, but they'd taken care of business. So going like every last year and this year, we haven't had that type of team separate and do what they needed to do in the non-conference to really make this um, what we were looking for, I think. And so we'll look at that again, you know, if it's something that helps us in seeding, helps us in the NIT, and then when we have those teams have those kind of breakouts, and and that year Middle Tennessee lost in the quarterfinals of the tournament, got upset and didn't get in, but everybody, well, we're all biased, but everybody, you know, thought that they were truly deserving. Um, You know, if we could have given them, Three more, uh, I think at that time it was RPI, so it would have been, you know, top 50, top 100 RPI wins. Would that have, you know, swayed it? And so last year and this year, you know, because of injuries or other reasons, we have some really, really good teams, um, three really, really good teams, but we don't have the the great team that is separated, if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, certainly. And you you mentioned a little while ago you did spend time as part of the men's basketball committee. So you know what the selection committee is looking for, kind of what their thought process is. Uh, Just speaking in general, what can teams from non-power conferences do differently or maybe do better to catch the committee's attention? Yeah, I mean, I think we're at a point now where we've got to schedule each other. Our top teams have to schedule each other. And, and I know we've been trying to do some of that. I mean, we've we've done some, uh, created some games, Conference USA, the A-10, Missouri Valley worked together to create some matchups in the non-conference. Because if we're just not able to play those other teams, um, you know, if, if one of our teams starts beating those type of teams, it's tough. You know, other teams are like, yeah, I'm not sure we're going to schedule you. Um, 
so I just think we really have to make a concerted effort to play each other. Uh, you know, you you look at what Dayton's doing, San Diego State, um, those type of people. Um, so those are the games that our top teams need to play. Yeah, and I, I I've heard that before, and I've always wondered, you know, let's say you're just looking at the at the standings now, like a North Texas or a Louisiana Tech. If you have a non-conference game against maybe a top half or top third Atlantic 10 team that looks good on paper, does that move the needle as much just simply because they're not from, say, the ACC or the Big Ten? Is that sort of bias in there in the committee room, even just unintentionally? Yeah, I mean, when you look at when they put the team sheets up and you're comparing, you know, you you instinctively know what league people are in, but there's no mention of a conference anywhere. You know, it's just the ratings and the numbers. And so, but, but you know, I just think people just by nature, um, you know, think that way. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we right. try not to think that way, but um, a lot of people do. And, you know, every, the thing that's almost fascinating about the NCAA selection committee is, you know, every group is different, and um, different people put fact on different things, and, and that's why you you can't predict it. Uh, I mean, people have gotten pretty good at predicting who's in, but um, you don't know that one committee values your record on the road more than strength of schedule or, you know, vice versa. And then the other part that's so tricky is what you're going against every year is different. So, you know, a team that might get in in a certain year, in another year that same, those same metrics might not get in just because other teams have done um, done more. So, uh, you know, it's, I mean, there's a reason it's a committee of human beings and, um, you know, you try to fight against just kind of inherent biases, but it's hard. Right, and I, I think something that maybe the net has done in the last couple of years, maybe better than the RPI did, is try to maybe standardize it a little bit more so that teams from, you know, smaller conferences are maybe judged a little bit more fairly. I know, like, efficiency metrics go into that a little bit. Has the net made a difference to you so far, do you think? Um hard to say, but I'd probably um, say no at this point. And I think we're still kind of trying to figure it out. And um, I mean, in some instances, I think it has, but others not. So um, it's just still very new. Right. right. Now, I, I know you're just a couple of weeks away now from the conference tournament. And, you know, you, you have this new thing called bonus play that's unique to CUSA. You've got something also unique to you guys if your conference tournament, and that's that you play your men's and women's tournaments at the same time in the same place. Can you explain uh, how exactly that's set up and how it works? Sure. So, you know, multiple years ago, our ADs had made a decision that they'd like to keep our men's and women's tournaments together. You know, so your fans travel one place, your band and cheer travels one place, et cetera. So 
in the past we've been doing it in a one in the same city, but the first two days in different buildings, and then combine into the same building for semis and finals. Um, but it doesn't leave you a lot of options of where you can go to find two really good facilities. And so um, we have this will be our third year that we'll have our tournament in the. Ford Center at the Star in Frisco, Texas, um, which is the Dallas Cowboys practice facility. Um, it's unbelievable, first-class um, building with with a ton of uh, amenities, and, and the surrounding area is restaurants, hotels, um, really built up, and it's very fan-friendly. Um, we do a fan fest out front for on the plaza area, which has gone over really well. But the unique part is it's a football field. <laughs> so um, that building is very and – the, and the Cowboys kind of pride themselves on being very flexible, being able to do a number of different things in the building. So we cover the field, and then we build out two basketball courts. With, we use um, one side of the permanent stands, and then we'll build stands on the other side of the court. Um, and so the first year we did it, you know, people, and I think in their heads are like, well, this is like an AAE tournament where the courts are in the door and you hear the whistles and everything else. But uh, we use a sound curtain um, that goes from the top of the building all the way down to the floor that splits uh, the two courts and um, knock on wood because, <laughs> you know, the minute I say something, something will happen. But we've, we've not had an issue where a whistle is blown on one floor and they thought it was on the other court or or anything it's 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 kind of like a little background noise but you can't um it doesn't affect the game so coaches players officials really haven't noticed anything um and we play two courts for two days and then we move to one court for the um semis and finals but we games going on at the same time so if the game gets gets boring to you and you're not like a fan of that particular teams, you know, that are involved, you're just a basketball fan, a local fan, you can just move over to the other floor. Yeah. Staggering a little bit, but um but it it's worked really well. It's a really it's a real championship feel. Oh. Sorry. Um no problem. And um becoming a great environment for us, so have you run into an issue yet, maybe where one school's men's and women's teams are playing at the same time? Do you try to avoid that, or is there no way to really do that? Well, we used to run into that when we, uh, we'd we have the women in one building and the men in another. Um, so what we've done now is we've actually, we actually split it. So uh, the afternoon session is all women's games, and then um, the evening session is all men's games. So the same school won't be playing at the same time, but there would be two women's games going or two men's games going. Got it. You know, from your perspective, just observing or or talking to fans at at the event, what what has their reaction been to it? Have they enjoyed the in-person experience? They have, and, you know, we've had um, people – like Western Kentucky has a great fan base that travels and in the first year not a lot of them came but they had a great time and they're like we're going to tell everybody and so that fan base in particular has grown um, tremendously you know the challenge for us is I talked about during bonus play discussion was our geography and so um, 
we haven't found that central location that's um, worked really well. You know, we're looking at maybe finding an eastern location that maybe we could rotate. You know, so so we like it. I think the city of Frisco has done a great job, and they continue to bring more fans. Our volunteers are fantastic and fill up extremely fast. Um, Frisco is known for hosting sporting events, and so it's a, it's a great fit, you know. But as a commissioner, um, you know, do I don't know if it's fair to always bring people to the west of our conference, you know? Is there a spot in the east? So those are the things we'll continue to look at. Uh, one one thing I do, you know, I really like about conference tournaments and, and championships week in general is that you get a lot of games going on throughout the day and, you know, well into the night. And it's just kind of constant uh, constant basketball. And uh, how does the way that your tournament is set up translate to TV or streaming? And what sort of experience do the viewers have if they're not actually on site? Yeah, if you're not there, it just looks like any other, you know, televised or streamed game. So um, you don't get the stands on the other side of the floor, just make it its own little bowl. Um, And so you would not even know that there's another game going on if you're watching it on TV. Got it. And I I guess just um, just lastly before – before I let you go, I know, you know, you're at least for the men's tournament, you've got games on ESPN plus star Facebook and stadium, uh, CBS, but those first couple of rounds, mainly streaming has, has that worked out for you guys? Um, it in the past or ha- has there been any problems with having kind of, uh, online only access to some of these games? You know, I think in the beginning it was difficult, you know, just to get fans to adjust, but our fans have been great. Um, they find the games, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's a growing growing pain, but um, it's the reality of kind of the world and environment that we live in. Right, so, right. Um, our people have adjusted, and, you know, and, and I would be remiss, to uh, not bring up our women's our women's basketball is tremendous this year and we've got a number of really good teams and so I know I've talked about the men's a lot and was on the men's committee and the men's you know we do the bonus play there but um, we're having a great year in women's basketball as well uh, yeah absolutely and I, I do some work uh, on the women's basketball side as well putting like mock brackets together and I know Old Dominion uh, Western Kentucky are couple of really strong um yeah. Rice. strong teams Rice. on the women's side. Rice as well. Yep. yep. Um so yeah, I mean, no, we're, yeah this is gonna year. be fun. I think the tournament's gonna be a lot of fun. We have a lot of parody and um some really good basketball in, in in a unique setting, but once you get inside and kinda get going with the game it it, it doesn't feel like anything different. Yeah, it it, it sounds like a great time. Is there anything else that you want to add either about the tournament, about bonus play, about basketball in general? I think we've covered a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're good. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks a lot. Once again, I want to thank Commissioner McLeod for joining us today. 
I really did enjoy the discussion, and I just want to remind you that if you enjoyed the podcast, if you enjoy what it is we normally do here, please make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. You can find us wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to rate and review us. It really does help us out a lot, and we appreciate it. So we will be back to talk to you again pretty soon, I hope. Of course, I can never really promise that because... Well, you know our track record, but I hope we'll be back soon. And until then, enjoy all of the games upcoming and take care.